0: Chapter fourteen. I'll tell you how this works. All right, I uh, you you get invited to a meeting like this. By the way, thank you for that picture. That that uh, I know exactly when that picture was made. Would to God I had that body tonight. That would be a blessing. <laughs> that was the day of my oldest daughter's wedding, <clears throat> and. Uh, but I, you get invited to a meeting like this, and obviously you want to be a blessing, and you want to, you want, you know, what do you preach, right? We understand this is all a God thing, yes, sir. and uh, God is always working behind the scenes, right. yeah. and I was praying about what to preach. I, I asked pastor, I sent him a text. I said, is there anything, any, any direction? He said, whatever the Lord gives you. And uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring a, a pastoral message tonight. Uh, this is not a sugar stick. Uh, you're probably not going to be shouting the house down, but I want to help you. As a matter of hey. fact, if you'll just let me for the next little bit, just let me be your pastor just for a few minutes. How many of you say, I'll let you do that, all right? And, and I'd like his vacation bonus as well. If you'll <laughs> throw that in there, that'll all be good, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, and I, I struggled and I, I preached a message last Sunday and I felt like that's what the Lord wanted. And you know, you're sitting over there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you're you're saying, Wow, Lord, I believe that. I've got I've got another one in here. And matter of fact, if this one if we get about halfway through and it ain't going over, we'll just start over on another one, all right? Oh. Um, but man, that song right there, that's the message. That's the message. Have you ever had a really bad day? Has your bad day ever turned into a bad week? And you, before you know it, a week's a month. And then sometimes we get to a place where we just say, man, if this year we'll just get over with. Life's hard. Life's tough. And I heard when I was a young preacher, he who preaches to hurting hearts will never want for an audience. Because it doesn't matter where you go. You, you can go to a metropolitan area like Raleigh-Durham, or you can come to a rural area like Union Grove. But there's always people. If more than two people walk into a room, there's always somebody who's having a hard time. Yes, sir. And so tonight, I, I want to preach to especially to those who are just having a hard time, a burden. Uh, Pastor mentioned that, that I've, I've had a few health problems. As, as far as we know, it's is nothing serious. I, I think I, was I here last year? I can't remember. Uh, and I had just been diagnosed. I was because there's some nurses here that told me. And I uh, was diagno- diagnosed with an acoustic neuroma. And uh, it's a tumor. It's a non-cancerous brain tumor, and they're they watch, They were watching it every six months, and uh, I, I went to my six-month checkup, and it hadn't. It had, it was stable, and I went back in the spring, and it was still stable. Praise the Lord. Uh, but that's always in the back of my head, and and then and then I got AIDS. hearing AIDS. I, uh, the doctor said, because of this tumor, I've lost a lot of hearing in one ear, and just because I'm 63 and my dad had bad hearing, I, I've lost a significant amount in my other ear. And he said, "Look, you you know we're stable." He said, "But it wouldn't hurt for you to get hearing aids." And I said, "Say what?" <laughs> and uh, thank you for getting that. That that was good, um, but. But that, uh, you know, that, that, I'm not looking, I don't, I, don't, I don't need pity. God's been so good to me. I'm blessed. But, and then I had some lab work come back. It wasn't the best uh, recently. And uh, just yesterday had an MRI and, and waiting on the results of that. And so, you know, life's just tough. Life's just tough. Yeah. There ain't no need in us coming in here feeling sorry for ourselves. Everybody, everybody's having a tough time. That's what I hear the preachers say on the countdown to courage. Everybody's having a tough time. So did, uh, so did one of our Bible heroes, a man named Paul. Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra where they met a crippled man and Paul was used of God to heal this man and people of the community began to rant and rave about these preachers. Go to, if you're in, are you in Acts, did I tell you where, Acts 14, look at verse 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of the Lyconia, the gods come down to us in the likeness of men. And they call Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. And a little while later, we read that some Jews came along and began to stir up the people. And uh, by the way, the same people who were talking about Paul being a god, a little g-god, by the way, the same people... In the next verse, they're wanting to kill him. People are fickle, man. Don't Hey, if you want to live a miserable life, be a people pleaser. That's miserable. You know why? Because if you ever figure out how to please somebody, once you please them, they'll change their mind. You got to start all over again. Look at verse number 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people. And having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. That's a bad day, wouldn't you say? They, they stone him. They think he's dead. The Bible said they think he's dead. Now, I, I know you can read commentaries and some theologian commentators think that Paul actually died and, and was revived. I, I don't think that I would take that position, but I, I would say this is not a, a red-letter day on Paul's calendar. This is a, this is a tough day. And I, I'm talking to some people tonight who are struggling. And pastor hadn't told me anything. But there are people here who've been going through it and and maybe this wasn't a good week for you and you've been through a season of great heaviness. But I want you to see some really good news. This is good. Look at verse 20. Remember now, verse 19, it finishes up. Supposing he had been dead. Look at verse number 20. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. I want you to read the next three words, next four words out loud with me, would you? And the next day. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Time out. I thought he was dead. Yeah, that was yesterday. But now we're talking about the next day. And so tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject for just a little bit. How to live to see another day. Have you ever thought that? Man, if I can just see another day. If I can just get through today, man. If I can just get to tomorrow. If I can just... How many of you have ever ever just wished for the sun to come up? And you've thought to yourself, man, if I can just make it to daylight. I'm going to give you some things tonight that I think will help you. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me come. We sure love you and your family. And uh, we'll be praying for Miss Tammy and for the kids in California. Of course, Caleb and Autumn are uh, out there in Northern California. My wife and I just saw them recently. And uh, they're doing good. Several of you asked about them. Thank you. Thank you for supporting them, and uh, they're, they're new parents. I can't get over. You know, the, it's a scary thing, man. You know the scariest thing about having grandkids? Your kids are going to raise them. <laughs> That'll freak you out, won't it? <laughs> I appreciate Zach. Zach is uh, he's a student at West Coast Baptist College, and he's been interning with us this summer, and he's... Done a wonderful job. Let's get back to the message. Here's Paul. One day he's at the point of death and the next day he's going to Derby. One day he's lifeless and the next day he's full of life. One day all hope appears to be gone but the next day he is once again hopeful. So let's see. How do we live to see another day? Number one, remain committed to God's plan. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. On your darkest day, Remain committed to the plan of God. You know, when when you're going through that that worst of times, you've you've got to remember and stay committed to the fact that there is a God in heaven and that God in heaven has a plan and he is fulfilling his plan. He's never had a bad day. He's never taken a nap. The Bible said he doesn't slumber or sleep. He's never made a mistake. God has everything under control. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? So Paul is on his first missionary journey. Go back, if you would, to Acts 13 and look at verse number one. Acts chapter 13, verse number one. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen which had been brought up with Herod the tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they what? They preached the word of God in the synagogues. Verse 5 said they preached the word of God. If you were to go back with Saul to the road of Tarsus, and he was stricken with that bright light from heaven, and for three days he couldn't see but was led by the hand to Damascus, and God spoke to Ananias to go to Saul's house, and Ananias was a little apprehensive because of Saul's reputation, but I want you to see what God said in Acts nine fifteen. but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 9, verse 20, and straightway, he, Paul, preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And now we fast forward to Acts 14 and he's been beaten and left for dead and revived and refreshed. And he and Barnabas go to Derby and what do they do? The same thing that he did at the very beginning, the same thing that God set him apart to do. You know what he did? He preached the gospel. Good days, bad days. You gotta stay committed to the plan of God. Be instant. In season, out of season. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I don't feel well. Well, then go on when you don't feel well. Well, I'm a little discouraged. Well, is that you cannot let that stop you. We have to remain committed to the plan of God. Paul knew. Paul knew God had a plan for his life. And Paul never veered from the plan, no matter what happened, no matter if it was tough, no matter if people hated him, no matter if he and everybody around him thought he was dead. You know what? Paul lived to see another day. You know why? Because he just stayed committed to God's plan. I commend you for being in church tonight, and some of you, no doubt, had a horrible day. But you know what you did? You said it's church time, yes. and you stay committed to the plan of God. And the same God who has a plan for Paul's life had a plan has a plan for our lives. So we got to be careful that as we hit the rough patches along the way, we throw away the plan. We just stay committed. You want to live to see another day? Remain committed to God's plan. Number two, you want to live to see another day? Rehearse the goodness of God repetitively. You got to rehearse the goodness of God repetitively. Because let me help you. When you're lying on the roadside and you think you're going to die, the devil finds a way to get to your shoulder and to your ear, and he'll make you think God's never done a good thing for you. You know what? He'll say to you things like this this ain't fair. This ain't fair. After all you've done for the Lord, looky, look at look at what? Look at this mess he's left you in. This ain't fair. Three. You know what? You, you and I have got to be really careful. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, Paul here is speaking. Acts chapter 14 and verse number 17. I love this. Pastor alluded to this a few moments ago, but I want you to see what Paul had to say. It says, nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness in that he did good. And gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. I'm going to tell you what part of our problem is we keep waiting for God to do something really big for us, and all the while we're overlooking all his goodness in very, very, very subtle ways. Hey, isn't it good to be able to be in church tonight? Yes, sir. Isn't it good? I know, I know, I know. I watch the news. I know America is headed down the wrong road. And I know it's not the same America I grew up in. But hey, I'm still glad to be an American and grateful. Hey, I'm grateful that I get to live here. You know what? I, I have my own copy of the Word of God. I get to come to a, a wonderful church. I'm not impeded in any way. The government's not telling me what I can and cannot say. Hey, God's been good to us. He's been good. Recently, uh, my wife and I, we, we have been, we, we celebrated just a few, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. And we've been at fellowship for 40 years and been pastoring 35 years. And so the church, uh, they, they, they set aside some money and they sent us to Hawaii. It was awesome. Until I realized they only got us one-way tickets. I don't know what was that <laughs> Man, I'm telling. You, they told us about it back. I don't know, a couple months ago. And and uh, I, I'm gonna be really honest with you. I'm a home guy, right? I, I I don't have to go nowhere. I'm I'm good at the house. It's all it's okay. But but I'm grateful, and I had a wonderful, wonderful time. But my wife was beside herself. She was beside herself. And uh, one day she asked me. She said, "Would you, would you give me, would you give me a little bit of money?" Now little bit to me is not little bit to her. Those, those are not synonyms, right? (laughs) She said, would you give me a little bit of money? She said, I'd like to buy, I'd like to buy a few outfits to wear on our trip. I said, of course, sure. I gave her a little bit of money and uh, man, we were, we were so pumped and we got to, as a matter of fact, we left on a Monday morning, uh, just about four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And we, it was an early flight. So we stayed at uh, a motel over by Raleigh Durham at Briar Creek uh, so we could catch a shuttle and get there and not have to worry about a car and and uh, we got to we got to Raleigh Durham to check our bags and and man the TSA line was the worst I've ever seen. I, I I'm, I'm almost positive it was at least an hour before we got up to the, to the TSA agent. So we got up there and you know asked for your ID and I I gave him my ID and my wife gave him her ID. And when he put hers in that little machine, it, it, it spit it back out. It, it rejected. He tried it again. It rejected it again. He took it out. He said, sometimes you just got to rub it. I said, rub it, baby, rub it. <laughs> he rubbed it. He put it back in there. He spit it out again. And he said to me, he said, sir, you're going to have to go back to the ticket counter." I said, bro. I'll miss my flight. I can't, I'll miss my flight. He said, well, hang on. So he goes over next, next to the next agent and he says, it's and what we found out, the travel agent had put my wife's maiden name for her middle name, but her license had her middle name as her middle name. That was the, that was the dilemma. And so he goes over and there's an agent there and uh, she takes, and she signs it, and he comes back, and he says, "He said, okay, we're good to go. And about that time, here, came, here comes a, a young, probably 25-year-old TSA agent, probably just got out of college. She said, what's the problem? I'm thinking, we don't have a problem, right? He just cleared us. He said, their ID is not, their ID doesn't match their ticket. And she looked at me and she said, you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to go back to the ticket counter. I said, ma'am, we'll miss our flight. And she looked at me and she said, I don't care. It started in my toes. I said, ma'am, you mean to tell me we got to go all the way back down there to the ticket? It was Alaskan Airlines. And I said, we got to go all the way back there to the ticket counter. And my wife said, so can we bypass the line? to get, you know, I mean, the sniffing dogs, the whole nine yards, right? And, and my wife said, can we bypass the line and come right up, back up? She said, no, you can wait in line. We were, we were, I, we were dumbfounded. I was in shock. And I was just standing there, just trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? And she said, uh, excuse me, could you get out of the way? I look over, and my wife starts crying. It's our 40th anniversary trip to Hawaii. I said, come on, babe." So we got, we got I've, I've got a little roller bag. My wife's got a little roller bag. We start back. We're trying to, we don't even know, how do you get through all these people, I mean, you know? And, and, and we're walking, and there was a middle-aged lady there, a TSA agent. She said, where are you guys going? I said, they say we can't get through because my wife's ID doesn't match her ticket. And she rolled her eyes, said, give me your ticket. She signed it. She said, get on the plane. Amen. 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 Yeah. Now, I about had a Holy Ghost fit right there in the yeah. airport. Because I'm just telling you, that was God. And you can say, What well, was your lucky day? I don't believe in luck. I used to have a rabbit's foot, and then I realized it wasn't lucky for the rabbit. <laughs> hey, you know what? We've got to come back to a place to where we see the tokens for good that God... Hey, we got to get back to the place to where we see those handfuls on purpose that have been left behind by a gracious, loving, heavenly father who always, always, always demonstrates his goodness. So he is a good father. But when you're lying in a heap on the side of the road, it's hard to remember those times. You just got to keep reminding yourself, man, God's been good. Man, God's been good. God is... Bless, let me tell you another thing that'll help you live and see another day. Rehearse the goodness of God repetitively. And, and, and number three, rely upon good people. No one's ever gonna accuse me of being deep. Stick with me. Rely upon good people. Look at verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people. And having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. Now, I don't know. I just, when I read the Bible, I try to put myself in it. Do you do that? I try to put myself in it because that's when it really comes to life. So here's what I picture. I picture Paul lying on the side of the road, broken and bloodied. I, I picture they're not real low yet, but way up yonder I picture the buzzard circling. Because it's obvious this guy's going under. I picture, I picture mothers with their children walking down the road and seeing that man, that lifeless body lying on the side of the road, taking their children to the other side. Because they don't like covering their eyes. I mean, he's a mess. He's a mess. I picture Paul lying there in his mind. I I, I picture him thinking, you know, this may be it. This may be it. I'm going to go to see the Lord. And and, and I picture him, no one there, no one to help him. He's all alone. Then all of a sudden he hears something. And he's lying there with his face in the dirt. Mm -hmm. But he looks out of the corner of his eye And he sees a pair of sandals. And then he sees another pair. And another pair. And another pair. You know who they were? They were good people. That's who they were. And you say, well, I don't think that. Okay, let's just reason together for just a minute. Could we? Could we? I don't know exactly how it all happened. And I don't know how the presence of those disciples. The Bible said in verse 20, As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up. Is that what it says? So what's the connection? I don't know. I don't know. But how how did these men showing up in this hour of need make a difference? I don't know. What what was the significance of their presence? I do not know. But I do know this. I do know that it had something to do with the story because the Holy Ghost of God recorded in his word so that 2,000 years Later uh, after this happened, we could sit here in you New- in a uh, Calvary Baptist Church and we could say, Hey, something happened when good people showed up on a guy's worst day. Yes, I think back to I think back to 2020. I'm looking through my notes. I thought I had something. I might not have brought it with me. I think back to 2020. And I, I think back to COVID nineteen. I know that's a dirty word, and I know you guys went through it. I know Pastor and his wife went through it. I don't think I. I think I must have left it out. We had Bud Parton. Bud Parton's one of our men. He's in his seventies. He and Gail faithful every week. Still in the very back. Matter of fact, they don't even sit on the back row. They they got two chairs on the back wall. I mean. And I give them a hard time, but they both got COVID. And Bud ended up in the ICU on a ventilator. His family called him. They said, preacher, would you call daddy and talk to him? he, he's given up. And I called him and I said, Brother Bud, how you doing? He said, I, I'm gonna go to heaven. I said, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. You don't want to go to heaven until he wants you to go. You know what had happened? He had laid in that I see you I see your room by himself. No one to hold his hand. No one to wipe his brow. No one to say, You're gonna make it, Daddy. He's all by himself. Do you know that's what the devil does to us, isn't it? He, he isolates. Let me tell you what he'll do. If you mess up, he will tell you, oh man, you don't want to go back down there to church. Everybody down there knows what's going on. They'll be talking about you. You know what? He is a liar and a deceiver. You know what he knows? He knows that if you get around good people, it'll help you. I read a story about this nurse and she said... I've been in the medical industry. That's, that's what I do. I'm a nurse. And she said, but I, I, I believe that we have, we have contributed to the deaths of multitudes of people. She said, I've been asked to make phone calls and tell little boys and girls that their daddy's not coming home. She said, I've held iPads and uh, and, and children on the other end trying to tell their daddy that they love him wanting me to hold his hand for them and listen to me the devil likes to get us out there on the roadside all beat up and bruised and bloodied and broken and, and, and he likes to tell us that we're by ourselves and that, that that there is no help there is no hope But I'm telling you he's a liar and we need to look at hey hey we need we need church my friend and hear me tonight us who are not lying in that heap need to be sure we show up when someone else is.
1: That's
0: how we're gonna live see another day. How do I live to see another day? Well, you just gotta to refuse to quit. So he's in, he's in Lystra when these people turn against him and he's left for dead outside of the city and his friends come and he's revived. Look at verse 20. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Look at verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to what? Lystra. 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 <laughs> Wait a minute, Paul. Those are the people who try to kill you. I know, but I ain't a quitter. But wait a minute, Paul, you already know how they feel about you in that town. He said, ain't got nothing to do with how they feel about me. I'm not a quitter. Right. Right. You know, sometimes, man, we just have to, we just have to face our fears, right? We just have to, we just have to look at our problem and we just have to say, Hey, you ain't no match for my God. When things go wrong as they sometimes will and the road you're trudging seems all uphill. When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you got to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must. Don't you quit. Life is weird with his twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he just stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You might succeed. With another blow, success is just failure turned inside out. The silver tent, the clouds of doubt, and you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Sometimes you just got to... Daybreak comes in the morning. You say, I don't even want to get out of bed. What do I do? Get out of bed. You got to get out of bed. Well, how, how do I do that? Well, you put one foot on the floor. And then you put your other foot on the floor. And then if you're physically able, you get up. My dad passed eight years ago in October. If my dad, if my dad, if you'd known my daddy 30 years ago, and if I had told you he died of depression, you would have said, there is no way. But he did. My daddy was a live wire man. I mean, he was. He was uh, the hardest working man I know. In my whole lifetime, I don't ever remember my dad calling in sick, ever. He went to work every day, he was an electrician, and uh uh, went to, he worked at Liggett Myers. Worked at the tobacco factory in, in in Durham back when that's what Durham was American tobacco and Liggett. And then he was a car guy, and so he uh, he got into stock car racing. So he'd work he'd work eight hours a day, and he'd come home and he'd have supper, and he'd go to the garage every single night. He'd go to the garage and work on that. If we if it wasn't race day, he was in the garage. He was so successful in a, a two season span, he won twenty out of twenty three feature events. That's how good he was. My mama asked him one time, she said, Philip, why do you have to go to that garage every single night? You win all the time. He said, because if I quit doing what I did to get successful, those other guys will catch me. He retired and he had to have shoulder surgery. And, um, had to have rotator cuff surgery, and it was winter time, and it would get dark early, and he couldn't get out and work on his cars, and he got, he got in a dark place, and went to the doctor one day, and the doctor said, uh, how you doing? And he said, well, I'm just down. I'm blue. Well, I, I, let me give you something for that, and I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that you need to throw your medicine away, but I, for my daddy, I'm just going to tell you what happened to him. One pill turned to two, and two to four, and four to eight, and then he came to a place where he started abusing them. I'd go over there. I'd say, Daddy, you got to get up. I don't want to get up. Sitting in a dark room with the blinds closed, staring at the ceiling. For a while, probably a year, he watched TV. Then he got to where he didn't watch TV anymore. Listen to me. You can't just just quit. Right. I don't know what you're facing, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not belittling it, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but I'm just telling you you can't just quit. You can't just lay there. You, you, you've got to take the next step, you've got to do the next right thing. That's just what we have to do. You want to live to see another day? Hey, in the morning, realize today's the next day. It's a new day. Quickly. Number next, remember others. Remember others. Man, when you're lying on the side of that road, you know what? You can get pretty self focused, can't you? We all understand what I'm talking about. His body's racked with pain. His eyes are swollen shut, maybe some broken limbs. He probably wonders if he's bleeding out. And right there at that moment, Paul could have easily gotten his mind upon himself, but he didn't. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 he's up at he hey he's up and running now he's back at it confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God why did Paul go back to Lystra listen to me look at me here's why because he knew there were some new converts there who needed him right, right. you know why you and I've got to make it because there's somebody counting on us yes,
2: that's,
0: good that's why we got to make it you know why we got to get through what we're facing tonight because Somewhere down that road, somebody is waiting for us. There's someone who needs us. Man, we can't just throw in the towel, roll over and play dead. Somebody, we can't, we can't be, we cannot be so selfish. You got to remember others. Brother Steve, I'll tell you something that if I'm anywhere close to right, something that keeps me about halfway straight, is I look at all the little kids in our church, and I think I, I got to be there for them. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't, I can't, I can't do something foolish and forfeit the right to be their pastor. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's good for you,
0: don't, 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 don't become. My watch is ringing. Y'all forgive me. It did this again. It looks like you've taken a hard fall. (laughs) Did that the other night at home. You know what I told our people? That's when you know you're really preaching right there, man. (laughs) So I hit a button that said I'm okay. And they said provide some details. I'm preaching at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina, and it just got on. That's what happened. I did not fall. That was my, that was my second option. Crazy world we live in. So, ma'am, what happens to your grandkids if you just quit? My wife's Grammy. We got 11, 11 grandkids. To some of them, she's Grammy. Don't ask me. To some of them, she's Minnie. And to two of them, she's G. <laughs> so who's going to be Grammy in my grandkids' life? My wife just throws the towel in. What about your Sunday school class? You're right. You're right. What about that? When things get tough, you just say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to go on. Well, what about the kids in your Sunday school class? We've got to remember others. Yes, sir. And then, and then I, I'm skipping over a lot of this. I think it's important that we remind them of tribulation. Who? People who look around us people who are around us, people who see us going through a tough time. Let me me show you what it says. Verse 22, I don't want to get the Bible in this, but look at it. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. You know what he said? You, You want to live for Jesus? You better get your boxing gloves on. You know, sometimes I think, I've been doing this for a while. I've run camps and youth conferences and preached in camps and youth conferences and, and I've been involved in invitations. Hey, if you'll give your life to Jesus, the very best life, give your life to Jesus. He'll bless you. He'll, he'll, he'll prosper you. If you'll just hey, he'll be so much better to you than, than uh, you would ever be to yourself. And, and, and those things are, are, that's all good. But here's what he said. You want to follow me? Take up your cross. Is that what he said?
1: Yes,
0: sir. Hey, he didn't say, you wanna, hey, you wanna follow me? I, I I'll put two cars in every garage and two chickens in every pot. You just come on. We're gonna have a time. No, he said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. I don't have a place to lay my head. We just need to understand that tribulation is a part of
1: life. You're right.
0: It rains on the just and on the unjust. And then one last thing, I'll be done. Look at verse 23. I, I cut out, I, I preach this message in two services Sunday. I've cut out some of it, but look at verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting they commended them to the Lord now notice what it says here I like this on whom they had believed here's the last point recall your savior don't don't forget Jesus on your worst day don't forget Jesus I'm not I'm not talking about his plan I I'm not talking about your purpose. I'm not talking about anything. Just don't forget Jesus. Don't forget what he suffered for you. And can I help you? Don't forget that you belong to him. No matter how tough it was today, no matter how dark the clouds were, no matter how... Depleted our strength might be, and no matter how discouraged our spirits might be, listen to me. We belong to Him. So there He is, lying along the roadside, fighting for His life, wondering if He's going to live, broken and mangled. Can we just agree? He's a mess. But don't stop there, He's Jesus' mess. You know what? Tonight, church, we belong to him Amen. where he is. He is our savior. God is our father. We're in a good place. I preached this Sunday morning and Sunday night. I had no idea. I had no idea that on Saturday night I would get a call. The call came from one of the leaders at the Durham Rescue Mission. We, A lot of the mission residents attend our church. We love it. We love it, man. They, they, they first start coming, and a lot of them never been in church, and, and a lot of them that have been in church never been in real church. And you just see God working. It, there's... There, there's, probably, there's probably not 10 Sundays in a year we don't have someone saved from the rescue mission. The ladies, most of the ones who come are the women from the women's shelter, and most of them sit right over in here and a few over here. And then we have one of our men who runs a couple of vans to the men's division, and, and they usually sit right over in here. I was sitting in my chair Saturday about five o'clock and Gary Beasley called. He said, Pastor, he said, do you know Melissa Sealing? I said, no, I I know the name, but I can't put a name with a face. When I found out who she was, that's her seat right there. Every Sunday. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night just a mission woman. He said, Pastor, she was killed this afternoon. He said she was standing right down from the mission at the bus stop and someone lost control of their car and went up on the sidewalk and hit her and killed her instantly. I said, Gary, I'm so sorry. Thank you for letting me know. I hung up and I went to Facebook. I was gonna to try to find her and I found her. And when I saw her picture, man, my heart broke. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm not trying to sound spiritual, but but the first thing I thought was, did I speak to her Wednesday night? They called me Monday. Oh, by the way, when those mission ladies came in Sunday. They felt like they were laying on the side of the road. I mean, they called me Monday. They said, Pastor, as far as we know, Melissa has no next of kin. And I said, well, brother, can we have a service for her? Can fellowship have a service for her? He said, yeah, that would be fine. We've since found out they've tracked down a granddaughter and I think a brother and we're trying to plan our service. Sunday was really sweet because I was able to stand up with the Word of God and tell some people who thought, I don't know that I'm going to make it. There's a new day coming. I don't know who you are, and I don't know where, where you're sitting, and I don't know what happened in your life today or this week or this month, but I just know this. God ordained this because he wanted you to hear a message. I'm going to ask, is there any way we could sing that song for our invitation? Can we do that? You guys sing that, that last one? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I told you, it's not a sugar stick, and I got a lot of sermons. I preach in other places, but I, for whatever reason, I just felt like this is what the Lord has for us tonight. And you're sitting in your seat and you would say, by an uplifted hand, Brother Rick, I know why, because I needed this tonight. Please pray for me. Would you lift your hand all over the room? All of the room. I needed this tonight. This was for me tonight. Just lift it up. I needed this. Please pray. I don't don't need to know what's going on in your life. You can take your hands down. But man, you can't put this many people in a room without there being a lot of broken hearts, a lot of disappointment, a lot of discouragement. And please don't think tonight that I'm belittling anything you're going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you this. The fact that you're here tonight testifies loudly that God has a plan and that there is going to be a tomorrow. And you may <clears throat> you may think you're dead tonight and everyone around you may think you're dead tonight, but the next day, things could radically change. But we've got to stay the course. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. And then the folks are going to sing. I want you to listen to the words again. I want you to listen to the words again. And if God spoke and you need to talk to him, you come. Father, bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Heads, your mouth, eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart tonight, you come. Lord, I'll
2: go.
1: them to keep playing if they will. So, Brother Findlay reached out earlier, and, and I, I appreciate it, and I, he and I both believe in pastoral authority. I, it's just uh, sometimes sometimes pastors sort of have their, their finger on the pulse, so to speak, of a church, and, and I do it. I'll, I'll ask a pastor, say, Brothers, anything you need, anything the church needs, any direction that you'd like me to go. And Brother Finley did that this week. He said, Preachers, anything, anything specific? And I told him, I said, Brother, you just follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I know it's going to be a blessing. Well, so we, we didn't even communicate. That was, that was the extent of our communication. And so he didn't know, not one thing. But tonight, when he started preaching, my wife and I, we were just looking at each other like, man, I can't believe this. I can't believe he's preaching what he's preaching just because we know we know some things that some some things that folks are struggling with right now and going through right now and so before we go tonight would would you mind let's just bow our heads again if you would our heads are bowed our eyes are closed and I don't know who all has come to the altar tonight but maybe there's still one more That needs to just make a move. Maybe you're here tonight, you're struggling. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. Before I came into this room tonight, we had already thought about just calling it quits and just giving up, just throwing in the towel. Maybe tonight there's just one more that needs to make a move and get on this altar tonight and say, Lord, we're not going anywhere. God, we're not quitting. God, we're going to keep on going for the cause of Christ. It could be, listen, there could be somebody here tonight that does not know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. And while we pause just for a moment, listen, if you need to come, why don't you slip out and we'll meet you here in the altar and take a Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. So while we pause just for a moment, Brother, can y'all sing that last? Can you do that last verse one more time? Just do that last verse one more time. Folks, are still in the altars. And if you need to come, listen, just come on right now. And we'll meet you while they sing. Let's just for a moment, let's just keep our heads bowed. And you come tonight. Father, I pray you'd help these in the altars tonight. God, you know all that's being done. I pray you'd have your way. God, work in the hearts now, please. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'll go.